feel like the prop preacher with everything I got out of here. Oh, we got to have some fun tonight. Praise the Lord. Alright, let me, uh, we're going to have some questions tonight, so I might as well start by asking you uh, a question that's on, been on my heart for you guys is, do you know what this time of the year is uh, to Jewish people, especially observant Jewish people, or even secular Jewish people, because I always knew these, this time of the year when I was my secular atheist Jewish self back in the uh, 60s and 70s. Anyone know what this time is? Come on, I know someone does. Right? This is what it's called the High Holy Days. And I wanted to start off by mentioning it because we're still in the High Holy Days and we're entering in just a few days. Uh, you know, there was Rosh Hashanah, right? And that's really not the New Year. They call it the New Year because they're in Jewish tradition, they believe that's when uh, Adam and Eve were created on, on Rosh Hashanah. Okay? But. What it, really is, what it really is is a celebration of the trumpets. Now, the great thing about this is Jesus, when you look at all the feasts, the seven main feasts, and there's two that uh, um, also uh, go on, which is um, Purim and Hanukkah, which you probably know. Some people think of that as the, of the Jewish Christmas, but it's much more than that. Uh, but the seven feasts, what's real interesting, and I, you know, it's, it's great to know this stuff. Now, my, some of you might know this. You know, Jesus, who we call, and we're very sensitive on the streets, we'll talk about that. I'm very sensitive when I street because be, when I'm in Squirrel Hill or I'm in Florida, which I go to three times uh, a year, four times a year, I'm sorry, and I also go to Cleveland once a month. We've got to be very sensitive in Jewish areas, especially. So we use the word Yeshua instead of Jesus. We were, use the word either Mashiach or Messiah, which is the same word as Christ. And it's just being sensitive. And another one, ah, here's something you might not know. Does anybody know what an observant Jew would call the Old Testament? That's a knock. There you go. It's an anagram, is what it is, because the T stands for Torah, okay, and the N, Nevinim, stands for the writings, and then you have the, the K in here, which is the Kitchevim, which is the prophets, and that's the way they break this down. So when I'm on the streets, I use the word Tanakh. We'll keep our Tanakh up here, how about that? Um, you see that over there? We'll talk about that. First, first I want to do, because I gave you a little introduction now, but I just want you to know about these seven feasts before I get into the word. Jesus was crucified on that first one, which is really on the first month of the year. On the 15th day of Nisan, he was crucified on Passover. He happened to be in the grave on a feast, which is the next day, which carries on for eight days, but it's the next day, which is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was the day he was in the grave. And then there's another day, which is the, another feast the day after, which is called the Feast of First Fruits. And as we know, Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians 15, about Jesus being the first fruits, and we likewise will be first, the fruits after that. So he happened to be crucified on Passover, in the grave on unleavened bread, and, and rose again on the Feast of First Fruits. Well, there's another day we all know about Pentecost. Fifty days later, after uh, First Fruits was, was Pentecost, fifty days later was the day of Pentecost. Now, 
what the first Pentecost was, I don't know if you knew this, the first Pentecost was the, the law given on Sinai. The second great Pentecost was the fulfillment of that, which is when the Holy Spirit came down. Now you've got these three holidays, and these, obviously those four holidays, we see it, they, they all were totally fulfilled in, in Jesus' um, death, burial, and resurrection. We see the Holy Spirit, and then the next three point towards the end. The trumpets points towards the trumpets that it speaks about in 1 Thessalonians and also 1 Corinthians. It speaks about that last trumpet before the Lord comes back. And then Yom Kippur, which we just had, is another holiday, which is an amazing holiday, the most solemn of all days. If you know from the Old Testament, what, it was the only day that the priests went into the Holy of Holies and what they did is they killed a bull, sprinkled the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. They also had a lamb. It was on the Ark of the Covenant. And then they had a second lamb, which the name was Scapegoat. You can find all, all of this in Leviticus 23, 23 through the end of the chapter. And it goes over the, these last three feasts that we're in the middle of right now. Uh, so it's a very solemn day. The problem is because there's no more bloodshed, we don't need it. They take it, the, the observant Jews, as as long as I pray, you've probably heard about this, as long as I pray and fast on Yom Kippur, my name will be in the book of life for a year. And then next year, i got to do it over again. And Rosh Hashanah is the most joyous day. Uh, and, and also, one of the, the ways that a lot of people look at, at what's going to happen when a real Yom Kippur happens is people in droves will start coming back to their Messiah, especially the Jewish people. That's the way a lot of people look at when it talks about Romans 11.11, is that when we see a real, I guess, fulfillment of Yom Kippur, we'll see people start coming back in droves. And the last one's Rosh Hashanah, which reflects on the wedding feast. It's a glorious day where they, where they build these temporary tabernacles. You might know something about this. And because in the, in, the, in the wilderness, they would have to keep moving, right? So they had these temporary tents. Well, when we have that wedding feast, when we have the true feast of tabernacles, we're going to have a wedding feast, and we'll also get out of these, these tabernacles. I'm sick of this tabernacle. I don't know about you guys. I can't wait to get out of this one. So... Just to let you know, that's where we are. Think about that. And the reason it's important, think about, especially observant Jews, how they look at these days. These are very important days to them. They mean a lot. But think about how much they mean to us because we have the Messiah. Because we know who the Messiah is. And it should break our heart that there are Jewish people, even, even right now, that are waiting for their Messiah. And I tell him on the street, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, that uh, yes, he came and he's coming again. But don't wait too long. Let's read the word of God. There's three scriptures you see in here that we'll be reading. I call this the Believer's Roman Road. I'll explain a little more. And you have an outline, so there's not a lot of surprise here. First in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Romans 9.3, For I could wish that I myself were cursed 
and cut off from Christ, from Messiah, for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And in Romans 11, 11, So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord. I ask you to open this up to us in ways we've never seen it. Show us what it truly means, what responsibility we have to be able to take what we have been given by the Jewish people and to give back, Lord. Help us to see that. And it's in Jesus, Yeshua's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I got some props here, so I gotta, I gotta show these off. Okay, one of them has to do with this thing. Now, normally this thing is filled at the end of the day. Uh, you know, I put some on so it wouldn't look empty. What I do, and this is what, so I, I love my job, I gotta tell you. I believe, some people might say this as well, I believe I got the best job in the world. Do you know what my job is? I go out to the streets in three, four different areas, okay? And I'm able to share. Every week, I have somewhere that I'm going to be in the street. Some, some places, sometimes when I travel, it's two, three times in the week. Where I get to go out in the streets, and I have this shalom board. And I set it up right now on the corner of Darlington and Murray. If anybody wants to come, I'm there. And I'm going to figure out something to do when it gets colder. But we don't, I don't have to worry about it yet. We've had some great weather, haven't we? I just love the people. People, they want to give their opinion, okay? They want, to tell me. they want to tell me how we're going to have peace. Do you want to know? I, 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 be, I bet you somebody would come up with this answer if you shouted that. Do you know what the number one answer I get in the street is? Number one answer I get in the street. Trump, get rid of that guy. That's the number one answer. And, and, and I, just, I, I just look at him right in the eye and say, so you believe? We've never had peace ever, but you believe if we get rid of him, we'll have peace? Well, I didn't think about it. I didn't mean it like that. I have another one here which I left out. Mr. Rogers' Resurrection. <laughs> you like that one. I, I, there was more than one person who said Mr. Rogers to me. It's hilarious. I've had people talk about music and Bruce Springsteen. Obviously, some people uh, will, will say God. Some people will even say Jesus or most, most observant Jews, if not all observant Jews, will say Mashiach, right? Messiah, Christ. 
That's what so many of them say. This is a bag. I don't, don't stick your nose in here. It's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, don't smell it. But this is a bag of hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of answers that I've gotten just in Squirrel Hill. I have another bag for Florida. I have another bag for Cleveland where I keep all these. And we pray for these, man. These are souls. These are souls. And most, most of these souls that we've spoken to do not know the Lord. But I guarantee you that there are chosen, there are elected people in here. I know it, right? I know it. So I pray for them. I know they're in there. Oh, awesome stuff. Yeah, I, now normally I have a PowerPoint. The reason I like a PowerPoint is funny because I used to love PowerPoints when I, when I was preaching like, like 30, uh, 40 years ago. I used to always love PowerPoints. I don't know why. Then uh, yeah, I went to RBTS. Stop the PowerPoints. <laughs> no, but there wasn't, I didn't use one PowerPoint during any of those years I was there. So, but the funny thing is the minute Stephen Atkinson, and some of you know Stephen Atkinson, he is a Scott-Irish man, uh, and you, you can tell from his accent from Arkansas, because that's where he lives now. But he lives in Arkansas now. And um, uh, he said, you've got to use PowerPoints. <laughs> so what are you talking about? He says, because pictures, pictures. The more pictures you take. Now I'm going to tell you, I mean, if you want to stick around, I got literally probably thousands or so pictures. And half of those are probably of me that Mia has taken over the, over the five months in Squirrel Hill and other places that we've done this. And those pictures are beautiful. Now this picture here is one of my favorites. Alright? You can see my wife. That's her ponytail right there. I don't know if you recognize it. This is in France. This is what really got me. I got to tell you why I do this and why I love doing this before you get into this Roman road. I know you're so excited to get into it. But let's see, this was August I went. So August of 2018. And if I went back to May, Mother's Day is when my mom passed away. When my mom passed away, this is what killed me. My mom did not know her Messiah. Okay, and she passed. I don't know where she is. I don't know what happened between life and death. You know, I don't know if any of us really can explain that. You know, but you want to have that. You want to think, well, maybe there was some kind of thief in the cross experience. Maybe someone spoke to her. Maybe something. But what hurt so much is the last words I remember her saying, which she said to me many times, which was two weeks. It was in April, one of the times I went down to Florida to, to visit them. And this is even before I was doing my work with um, CWI, obviously. But uh, she said, what did I do wrong that you became a Christian? You know, cut like a knife. And we did not have a great relationship because it was that kind of relationship for the 43 years, or 40, I guess it was 42 when she passed, 42 years that I, that I knew the Lord was that kind of relationship. She just didn't get it. You know, and it, it got harder and harder to preach. So I, you end up doing a lot of praying and hoping God will bring someone else into, into uh, uh, her life that might tell her about it. And that might have happened in the hospital for all I know. But one of the things when I said, God, I want to know where my mom is, you know what the response was? Use this. This is what I sense God was saying. Use this to never let people slip through your fingers again. Use this. So when I went there just months later, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what God was going to have me. There was a time I thought I was going to plant churches. I was going to, I was going to be a pastor for years, you know, uh, for the rest. Of, but instead, God had another plan. And um, when I first met Steve, he, he 
you wanted to know if I'd be wanted to become a, a missionary, and I said, eh, there's other things I have in mind, but he kept on pressing. And finally I realized after my mom passed that this, that's what she wanted, that's what uh, God wanted me to do. So here you see me in, um, in Paris, and these are kabats. Now what the great part about this, what I love about this picture, first of all, there's an intensity to all this. I love doing this. I realize, man, this is what I want to do. You know, you do a lot of things in life, and all of a sudden it's like I was here, and I'm like, I was born to do this. I love this, you know? And it's, I hate saying it, but everybody else says, you're a naturalist. This is what you know. And it was like, wow, confirmation. So I'm out in the street, and I'm talking to these kabats. These are 15-year-old kids, you know? I think 14, 15, 16, most of them are. But these two um, met in the street, and they saw me uh, witnessing to a, a, a Jewish tourist. And this is in the Jewish area. Believe it or not, the Jewish area is called St. Paul. That's what it's called. It's very Catholic. I don't know if they like that. But you see, there's one, two, three more missionaries that are around But they were around while I was speaking to these guys. And they saw me speaking to these, these uh, tourists, and they interrupted. They're called anti evangelists. Okay? And the anti evangelists interrupted, and they said, Don't listen to this man. He's of the devil. He's preaching about that. That demon Jesus. That's exactly what these guys said. I was shocked. I didn't know there was these kind of people there. And these were only teenagers, you know, teen. So we talked and talked, and they said to me, Have I lost villain today? This is after the, the tourists walked away, because they kind of they kind of chased them away. Did you want Spillin? No, I haven't. Would you like to? No. Now, do you guys know what Spillin is? Some of you might know. I brought a Spillin. Do you believe it? I brought it. Now, Spillin is what it talks about the frontlets between your eyes and on and near your heart or on your arm. So they wear one up here and they wear the other one here and they wrap it around their arm and they pray. And I wasn't, didn't, I've worn them before, you know, but I wasn't like thinking, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to wear this. I don't need to wear it. And then I came up with something as these guys were pressing. I said, look, I'll make you a deal. I'll wear Sphillin if you let me talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> so 10 minutes I was able to talk about Jesus. And it was a wonderful experience I had. So those are just two things. There's so much more. But let's get in to this message. Well, first of all, you see already, right from the beginning here on page 6 here. Hitting the streets for Yeshua. Okay. That's what I do. I hit the streets for Yeshua. All right? Now, all of you have heard about the Roman road. Some of you might. I know people have been saved through the Roman road. I won't say much more about it, except it's, you know, you go through scriptures in Rome and all of sin and fall short. But if you, you know, you, you uh, ask Jesus into your heart and for forgiveness, you can be saved. And it's a whole road that takes you in most I presume a lot of you know about that Roman road. But have you ever heard of the Believer's Roman Road, which we read through? And in that Believer's Roman Road, I want to ask you three questions. I really want you to ruminate on these questions because they changed my life as well. They really did when I studied this. Because one of the things you'll learn when you're doing what I do is we need to, especially when you go out in Jewish areas, you need to understand Romans 9 to 11. What does Romans 9 to 11 mean? What is it saying to us? The entire book of Romans, what is it speaking? Obviously, not just to me, but to the Gentile church. In many ways, it's speaking to the Gentile church. But we read the first one. 
And it was the three scriptures that we had. And I'll, I'll add a little more here. But the first one was, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So I want to ask you a question. I think it's sometimes hard to be honest about this. It was hard for me to be honest. Because if I asked you, is anyone here ashamed of the gospel? You'd say, of course not. But don't be so quick to answer. Think of the times that... Now we'll think about it, which is one of the last scriptures we're going to read, is, is, or the last scriptures, 1 Peter 3.15, about having an answer for the hope that's within you. Sometimes we don't feel like we do, so we back away. Sometimes we don't want to talk to that evolutionist because he probably he might know more about his shtick and his stuff than we do. You know, or the, what about the, the abortionist or the, or the pro-choice person? What about the LBGT, which I've experienced a lot? How many times have you backed away from any argument or any discussion when you know that, that the Holy Spirit was prompting you? The Holy Spirit has prompted me so many times where I've said, I'm just not ready for this fight, if you know what I mean. I'm not ready for this discussion. I'm not ready to get into this. Could be a family member. Could be a stranger. I go through it on the street every week. But you've got to go for it. And to be honest with you, I don't have an answer for everything. But I've learned humbly to finally say, instead of trying to figure something out in that, in that dense brain of mine, to just say, you know something? And use it as a, as an, to an advantage. I don't know the answer to that. But why don't we exchange information? I'll get back to you. I promise I will get back to you with a good answer for that. So again, I ask you, have you ever been ashamed of the gospel? I'm going to tell you right now, I've done it more than once, and I might do it again. We know that, you know, we know if we look at the disciples, every one of those guys were ashamed to know Jesus the night he was crucified. Every one of them was ashamed. They didn't want anyone to know. And we know, obviously, especially the, 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 the times that, uh, that Peter afterwards was asked, and three times he denied. He was ashamed to know him. I don't know the guy. Leave me alone. But he wasn't the only one. They all were. So let's be honest with ourselves. Have we been ashamed? Yes. I know there's times all of us can say, yeah, there's times I back down. There's times I know the Holy Spirit prompted me and I just didn't want to go there. But you know something? We don't have to. We never have to be ashamed of the gospel. It says it right here. I am not ashamed. Why am I not ashamed? Because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone. It's a supernatural thing. We know that. that is there anything more miraculous than that? Nothing. That is the most miraculous thing of the world. This is telling us the gospel is the power of God to salvation. People who you didn't think were going to get it, were going to get it. And people who you thought were right on the edge, and I've had some of these too, they're right on the edge, not now. I ain't ready yet. I was one of those who wasn't ready yet. But that's the point, is we never need to be ashamed. You know, one of the greatest things, and I've talked about this when I was at seminary, what, one of the things I, I so embraced when I, when I got involved with Reformed theology was the fact of being a seed sower becomes a lot easier because 
It's God's work afterwards. All I'm doing is sowing the seeds. Yeah, maybe I'll pray with someone. I've prayed, you know, God is, is, has blessed us on the streets. Seven people have accepted the Lord on the streets. Okay? I don't know if it's going to stick, but we have, we have, and you know, if, if this is true, if it's a true salvation experience, yes, it will stick. But we know sometimes I've gotten people into prayers and... Just like in Hebrews 6, 4, they've tasted it, and the seed was in, in a thorny ground, but that's not my responsibility. That's what's so cool. All I'm doing is sowing the seeds. Yes, trying to disciple people, but don't show, sowing the seeds. So again, are you ashamed of the gospel? May we never to do again. What I want you to see about these three questions, they all fit into two things, and it reminds me of what Charles Simeon said. They, they, they fit into not just world evangelism, but they fit into the priority of Jewish evangelism, right? You saw it right here. To everybody, but the priority of Jewish people first. And it doesn't stop. All three of these scriptures will tell you that. They'll all say, to everybody, but to Jewish people first. There's a priority there. And he even explains as we move on why. So are we ashamed of the gospel? Ask yourself. Ruminate on it. The second question We'll read the scripture first. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ, from Messiah, for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And if you read 1 and 2, he's setting you up by letting you know, look, this, I, I realize it's hypothetical. I realize I can't do it, but, but, if I could, just as Moses said, blot my name out of the book of life. That wasn't going to happen, was it? He can't lose his salvation, Paul. Wasn't going to happen, was it? But to have that attitude. And not just only did he have that attitude. Think of who he was talking about. He was talking about, what do you say, my kinsmen, my brothers. Do you know how many of those brothers wanted him dead? <laughs> do you know how many of those guys wanted him dead? The minute this man was in a group of Pharisees. You know, there were people who... who, who Discuss, maybe he would have been a high priest if he didn't accept the Lord, but that wasn't the Lord's will, was it? But this, this Paul isn't just speaking, I would if I could, to his friends. I would if I could for my family. I would if I could to my enemies. I would if I could to those just like Jesus on the cross, forgive him. Okay? He had the attitude that said, if I can get these brothers saved that I was once friends with but now enemies with, I'd give up my salvation to see it happen. What a beautiful statement. Could you say that? Honestly? I can't imagine even, hypothetically or not, even thinking that I could ever have that kind of attitude that, 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 that Jesus had when it, he had that same attitude, when Paul had, or when Moses had. I can't imagine it. But that's what we want to work to. Just like we want to work towards never being ashamed again, we want to work towards having that attitude and thank God, thank you, Jesus, that is hypothetical. But hypothetical or not, to put that in our hearts, to put it in our hearts that I would if I could. And he goes on. I'm going to read the scriptures. Why he says this and why he's saying Back to why Jewish evangelism is so important. There was, there was one thing I was going to tell you about Charles Simeon, but I didn't tell you what Charles Simeon said. Charles Simeon said, 100 years ago, what Charles Simeon said is, have you ever thought that the way to save the world is to first go to the Jewish people? Have you ever thought of that? 
Many people don't think like that. But if you read, especially Romans 9 to 11, you start seeing it more and more and more. So listen to what Paul says about that. This I got from a, a, the uh, uh, complete Jewish Bible translation. It comes from the Jewish people. The people, this is continuation right from three. The people of Israel, they were made God's children. The Shekinah has been with them. The covenants are theirs. Likewise, the giving of the Torah, the temple services and the promises, it's all theirs. Think about what that means. Everything that we in this room believe, it came from the people of Israel. That's Shekinah glory. That's Shekinah glory right now. That's Shekinah glory which used to be out there, used to be in, in the Holy of Holies, is now inside. But it started, it came with the Jewish people. The covenants that we all believe in, the Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, it was their covenant, and now it's ours. Likewise, the giving of the Torah, which I told you happened probably on Pentecost, the giving of the Torah was given to them. This Torah is beautiful, the law is beautiful. Jesus said, all I did is not to abolish, I came to fulfill this, this law. All of it. The temple services. In other words, the fact that we meet together and we worship and we, we, we praise God and we preach the gospel. That was what it started in the temple services. And all the promises that were given. Think about those promises. And it says here, culminating with Messiah as we move down to the next verse, which is Romans 9.5. The patriarchs are theirs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? From whom them, as far as his physical de descent um, <laughs> is concerned, came the Messiah who is over all. Praise be Adonai forever. Amen. Everything that we believe in came to the Jewish people. Everything. Never forget that. So again, think about these two. Are you ashamed of the gospel? If you could, would you give up your salvation? Lord, I know I wouldn't. Please help me have that attitude. Give me that attitude. Your Holy Spirit, give me that attitude. Grow me into that attitude. And the last one, which is probably as important, <laughs> the most important one. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation is come to the Gentiles. So what? Why was it given to us? Why was it given to the Gentiles? What are you, not me? So, so as to make Israel jealous. To make Israel jealous, that's why we got it. We have the Messiah. We have all these things, the covenants. The Shekinah here, the Torah, all of it we have. What are we going to do about it? So the question is, do you make others jealous? And as the other two, I want you to see this as a whole thing. Yes, it's saying, do you make the Jewish people jealous? But I know when I read this, do I make any, but do I make my children jealous? Do my children want what I have? Did my mother want what I have? Does my atheist 95-year-old dad 
who I just saw a couple of weeks ago in Florida. Does he want what I have? You know, one of the things I will tell you, and, and it's really had me just dig, I, I'm just, I want to dig deeper and deeper and understand these things. But, you know, uh, one of the things that really came out of this, and it was funny, this, this, there was a rabbi, a messianic rabbi I spoke to in Florida. And this messianic rabbi, he might have had a little spirit of religiosity because he thought that Jew and Gentile need to try to keep the law and need to try to eat kosher or eat kosher and all this stuff. But he asked me three questions. And even though I didn't agree with everything he said, those three questions really, really set me back. He said three things to me. He says, uh, so Mitch, you got a cross? I said, yeah, I got a cross. He says, Mitch, you eat treif? You know, treif is, is anything that's not kosher. He says, yeah, I, I like my bacon, you know. And then he says, uh, you worship on, uh, on Sundays? I said, yeah, of course I worship on Sundays. And he was half kidding, but he said, get out of battle. All right? And what it made me think about, even though I didn't agree with everything this man was saying, it made me realize, was I being Jewish to my Jewish family, to my Jewish friends, Okay? And obviously I know I've got grace. I know I believe when, 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 when Paul says, look, be the stronger brother. You don't tell people, you worship whatever, when God, if God convicts you to worship on that day, you best worship on the day or else it's sin. If God convicts you to eat this, you best eat this. If he convicts you to do, if it's your conviction between him and, or else it's sin. But don't you try to pass all that stuff off on someone else. But on the other hand, I want to be a Jew to the Jews. I want to be a Gentile to the Gentiles. I want to be able to, whoever I'm speaking to, to be that so I can win some wherever I am. And I want to be the stronger brother. The stronger brother who says, I will live my, by my convictions without trying to pass all those off on another person. You know, because we have to live by our convictions. I mean, it bothers me enough that there's so many fractures in the church. We have enough fractures in the world, right? The world is totally divided. The country we live in is totally divided. What really hurts is that the church is totally divided. We can't agree on anything. But you want to know something? It's okay that you have people, whether we're talking to whatever your belief is, whether you want to get into your eschatology, whether you want to get into cessation, or, or all this other stuff. What's really important to me, okay, is can we all agree that we need to win people for Jesus? I go to Charismatic. I go to Reform. I go to any church that'll have me. I haven't gone to a Catholic church. I don't know if that'll happen. But I'll go to any church that'll have me because I want them to know the most important thing that any of us will ever do is share the gospel. Share the gospel. It's the most important thing. Obviously, most of our life, I don't share the gospel 24-7. I try to spend a lot of that time studying so when I do go out, I know how to share the gospel better. And that's part of the whole thing. But that's what I'm trying to do. So I ask this question, do you make others jealous? Yes, do you make Jewish people jealous? I don't know how many of you could say, yes, I've made a Jewish person jealous. But I will take that further and say, do you ever make your family jealous? Your friends jealous? Your enemies jealous? Do you make anyone jealous? We are called to make people jealous. And yes, it tells you we have been given the gospel to make the Jewish people jealous. If we can't make anyone else jealous, we certainly ain't going to make the Jewish people jealous. 
And that's one of the reasons I've decided I have to be a Jew to Jews and understand my convictions. You know, the convictions I have is I have such freedom in the Lord and thank God for the freedom we have in the Lord. Thank God for the grace. So let's go through these again. Are you ashamed of the gospel? May it never be again. Yes, probably will, but I'm working on it. If I could, would I give up my salvation? Thank you that I can't, but please, God, help me have that attitude. Third, do I make others jealous? Not like I should. Help me, Lord, to make everyone in my life jealous, to want what I have, Jew and Gentile, but never let me forget. And may you see this through these three scriptures and questions, the importance, the importance of Jewish evangelism. You might ask, how do we do this? Well, I think that the, there's one great scripture I love for this. I mentioned it, and now I'm going to read it. And what it speaks about is always being intentional yet sensitive. Always being intentional yet sensitive. There's just an illustration I'll tell you real briefly. I know I've got I to close up soon. Uh, I um, did another um, sermon on 9-11 where I talked about being sensitive. It talks about being sensitive in Jude 22 to 24. And the illustration I love to use about sensitivity, because I, I, this is what I, I think of this when I think of sensitivity. I didn't wear my tallit, you know, but the tallit is the prayer show. Well, do you know the story where it says Jesus went into the crowd and the woman was, was crawling to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment? You know, the hem of his garment was his tallit. The prayer show was the hem of his garment. Just to touch the hem of his garment. How sensitive was Jesus, right? He goes, who touched me? And everybody, what are you, kidding me? What are you, crazy? There's people pressing left, right, east, west, everywhere. There's people pressing. I felt the power go out of me. He knew someone of faith touched his, tal his talus, and she was healed of her hemorrhage. That is the sensitivity I want. I want that kind of sensitivity. Always be intentional, yet sensitive. When I go on the streets and do that, I try to always be intentional yet sensitive. And here's the scripture to close that with. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. May we always look for the answers. May we have an attitude, just as the commandment says. What is the two most important commandments? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And likewise, love your neighbors yourself. To me, it's fulfilled in what we're talking about tonight, isn't it? Know God as well as you can so you can share him as well as you can. Know him, share him. Is there any greater purpose? If you, anyone in this room can give me a better reason for life than to know God better so I can share him more, tell me about it, because I haven't found it out. As far as I'm concerned, that is it. Whether you do it on the streets, like I do, whether you do it in your homes, whether you do it at your work, or whether you do it in a restaurant, just like they said, just do it. Let's pray.